Well, it's good to be with you guys, and I am honored uh, to be here. Uh, if you ever find yourself in Baltimore, Maryland, we'd love for you to come hang out uh, at Hopeville. Uh, you can also find us uh, online, uh, Instagram. You can watch messages as well. But I'm excited, excited to, uh, to be here today. Um, it's very interesting to have uh, Andre uh, introduce me today because in 1992, um, it was the second iteration of John Madden football. And I grew up in Miami, Florida, and my cousin and I, um, faithfully, we would play John Madden. And at, in 92, the team I played with was the Washington Redskins, and I would play with Andre on defense, which was pretty incredible. Um, it didn't happen the opportunity to go on and um, actually play here in Washington, not the glory days, uh, but it's all good. Um, <laughs> But I, I have a deep, deep passion for uh, sports. I played several sports growing up, and football was was my main uh, my main sport. And I can attribute a lot of what I've learned and a lot of my growth over the years to uh, coaches and the experiences that I had playing football. And one of those uh, experiences and one of those things that I remember was about uh, vision and the discipline of your eyes. And the saying would go, wherever your eyes go, you will go. And I know uh, many of you who have, who have played football, and I'm sure Andre and others would remember this. There, there was this little phrase that they would say, read your keys. And that little phrase had to do with where you were going to put your eyes, because when you would, would put your eyes in a particular place, it would take you or show you everything that you needed in order to be successful. And the thing was, if your eyes were undisciplined, you would be out of position. So even if you're not a football player, you're not an athlete, you don't really care about any of that stuff, you were told at some point in your formative years to pay attention, right? You, we've heard that before. Because when we don't pay attention uh, let's just say we're driving. You know, we we drift when we don't. We're looking at something we're not supposed to be looking at. We're, we're drifting because we're not paying attention, or or we're not paying attention in a particular time or place. Maybe hey, you're your student. Any students in the room? You know this. Maybe you miss information that you're supposed to get, or um, God forbid, you're actually misled for some particular reason because you're not focused. You're not paying attention, and even. Uh, when we look at this um, thing about focus and paying attention, when we think about it neurologically, did you know that what you pay attention to develops what they call neurological pathways in your mind? And so think of these neurological pathways like like roads. And uh, the more traffic uh, shows up on roads over time, the wider the road needs to be in order to accommodate that traffic. And so this is what happens in our brains when we're paying attention to certain things over and over again. The neurological pathways are widening in our brains to accommodate the pickup in traffic. Now, we don't need research and we don't need neurology to tell us this, right? We've, we've got our own experiences in our own, in our own lives. Let, let's, let's just think about how like we uh, pay attention to things like social media, right? 
like things on social media that we watch and, and we've seen like hacks and different things and we've seen challenges that people have done. Like, let's see if I can drink a teaspoon of cinnamon. Why? Like, who wants to do that? Or the crate challenge. Some of us have seen that where people are trying to walk on crates and they're literally breaking their backs, right? And I know that this stuff uh, is a little bit kind of crazy, but we, we've all been susceptible. And we're susceptible because when we look at things like this, like the time we spend on social media, you see, no one here is exempt. I have all categories represented here, right? But look at the amount of time. This is just average time that is spent on social media. You, you think that this might have some influence over our lives? What about email? Email is another one. Check this out. Look at the amount of uh, uh, or the percentages of when we check our emails. Right. I mean, within 30 minutes of waking up, 15 minutes immediately. Okay, we're constantly giving attention to regularly our phones and and social media and technology and all of these things. And listen, I'm not saying that these things are evil. And that they are bad. What I'm saying is what we give our attention to matters. What we fix our eyes on matters. And Jesus understood this as well. And this is why he said in Matthew chapter number six, he says in verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus here is trying to uh, help his audience and help the disciples who are following him understand that we need to have proper perception and we need to have proper perspective that is aligned with God's kingdom. And he uses this metaphor as Jesus often did when he was teaching, he would use metaphors. And, and so he used a metaphor of a lamp because they would have used lamps when it got dark to give them direction. And so he says the lamp is the guiding light. So our eyes are like this lamp and they help us properly assess our surroundings as we move about. And if we have healthy eyes, then we can see things properly and we can also see them according to the way God wants us to see them. But if we have unhealthy eyes, then we are misguided. We have missteps. We have uh, false perceptions and we have limited perspective. The context of what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6 is this whole idea of focusing our attention on earthly things, possessions, money, influence, and power, just all of the things that we are constantly concerned about. And this is what Jesus says. You can't give your full attention to those things and God's kingdom at the same time. One will serve the other. So then, what are we supposed to do? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) The author of Hebrews reminds Jesus' followers in chapter number 11 
of all of what I call the OGs of the faith. You know, all of these people who have gone before and there's a long list of people and what they did according to faith and how God showed up in their lives. And so the author of Hebrews is, is literally naming all of these folks. And, and you may have heard it, it deemed the, the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Um, and, and he says how we uh, how they had faith and what they put their focus in was most important. And then we get to the opening of chapter number 12, and he says, let me give you some direction here. So we pick up in verse number one in Hebrews 12. You can follow along with me. He says, therefore, and I should pause, wherever you see a therefore, you need to know what it's there for. And so he's referencing what he was talking about in Hebrews 11 and all of these people and all these pioneers that have gone before. He says, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping your eyes on Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith for the joy that the, that lay before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand throne of God. I want to just tag this little message this weekend as we're continuing in this series about Jesus. You are your focus. You are your focus. And what I want to zero in on is verse number two of this passage that we just read. But before we camp out there, I want to give us just three things that I think are important to illuminate that I don't want to, I don't want to skip over here that the author of Hebrews wants to make note of. And so we can put those three things. Oh, thank you. Already ahead of me. So, so these three things, number one, uh, the author is saying here that we've got plenty of examples. These are all of these OGs and all these people who have gone before us in Hebrews. Left. We have examples, which is why he says, since we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, and he's not talking about like an audience that's cheering us on, and, and he's not talking about a crowd. The word witness there is about people who are, who are examples for us, the people who did it before us. And the Greek word for cloud there is about a large group. So, so there have been many who've gone before us. The second thing he says here is that we should put aside the things that easily ensnare us. This is not just about sin and those big bad things that we think about and we talk. It, it's also about the little things that easily ensnare us. There's a little verse in the Old Testament that says the little foxes destroy the vine. And so it's this, this idea of all of the little things that easily ensnare us. And then the third thing, we should pace ourselves with endurance. And I love this here because the indication here is that everyone has a race. And the Greek word here uh, that's talking about race has to do with conflict, struggle, or assignment. So everyone has a conflict, has a struggle, has an assignment, and sometimes it's seasonal. It just depends on where we are in our life. But we all have this, and as a result of having it, then we should pursue or we should move forward with endurance. And this word here Endurance, when you break it down in the original Greek, it, it means unhurried, 
but not delayed. Think about that contrast for a second. We're, 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 not, we're not anxious, all right? So, so we're, we're unhurried, but we're also not delayed. So these are, are, are three things that are elevated here for us. And, and you may be saying to yourself, okay, that's cool. That was great. I learned a little bit of Greek here. That's awesome, you know. But how do I actually do that? Guys, you guys are such great questions. Thank you. The author of Hebrews gives us the clue in verse number two, which is where I want to just park for the next couple of moments. Because he says very clearly, and if you're taking notes, this is a good place to start right here. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It's it's, it's just that simple. And he says, because Jesus is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. We'll, we'll break that down in, in just a second to understand what, what, he, what he means by that. I was thinking about my dad. You know, my dad is really my hero and my example. He has a picture of my dad uh, right there. And, um, you know, I love my dad so much. And I have all these stories about, like, my dad just teaching me and coaching me. And, and um, one day he was cutting the grass and I grew up in Miami, and if you, if you know anything about Florida grass, man, that's some thick grass, you know. Um, and so my dad was out cutting the grass, and, I, and he called my name. And, and, and so I came out, and I stood on the porch, and he came up to the porch. He said, son, listen, um, uh, I, I think a snake may have bit my boot. And he showed me the, the little, you know, looked like bite mark on his, on his boot. And he said, but I don't think it penetrated, you know, my, my, my boot. But I just want you to stand on the porch just in case, because I got to finish cutting this grass. So if I fall out or something happens, you know, you can tell them what happened, you know. I'm like, bro, that's crazy. <laughs> like, but what my dad was constantly doing was modeling for me. He was modeling responsibility for me. He was modeling what it meant to be courageous. He was modeling for me what it meant to persevere and not allow yourself to be distracted. He was he was a pioneer and a perfecter for me. And this is what what the author of Hebrews is telling us that Jesus is. When we look at pioneer or author in 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 its original uh terminology, it means the one leading or the one going before or the one setting an example. And so that's what my dad did regularly with, with, with his actions. I was always watching him. I was always taking my cues from him and he, he understood that. And so he was, he was modeling this for me. And the, the author of Hebrews here is saying that this is what Jesus is for us. And in our spiritual growth, this is where we take our cue from. He also says that he's the perfecter. He's the finisher. He's the one setting the standard. So so there's an example that's being set here. And then there's a standard that has to be met as well. My dad always set the tone for how to work hard and how to love your family and how to show up and how to be consistent. That was the standard. And Jesus also set the standard for us, too. The author of Hebrews goes on to say that he he endured the cross 
such great sacrificial love. And that's important for us to understand because if we're going to be people who follow Jesus and if we're going to be people who say God is love, well, there is a clear standard that Jesus set for us in his sacrificial love. And so part of that standard is enduring and embracing tension and perseverance. And if we become our focus, then our behaviors will reflect that. Just like we know that an orange tree only produces oranges or an apple tree only produces apples. Matthew 7, Jesus said, you will know a tree by its fruit because it's not possible for a tree to bear fruit of another. So if you're taking notes, let me just give you two practical things to put in your pocket and take with you. Two ways to keep your eyes on Jesus. Again, we're taking this directly from what is written here. The first one, make Jesus first. Make him a priority. You know that slide we just saw earlier when it talked about like how we, how we check our email? Like, like the majority of us, probably about 80, 90% of us are checking email before we get to work. And it said 11% of us are doing it immediately. Like it's the first thing, like that becomes our priority because that's where our focus is. There's a great book that I like. If you haven't read it, you should read it. It's called Grit by Angela Duckworth. She is a a phenomenal psychologist and she's uh, trying to understand like how people are, are performing at a high level. And it really comes down to two things, she said, and it's so simple. She said it comes down to making a decision and being deliberate. And let me explain to you about a decision. Okay, so um, when we decide, okay, there's a suffix there, side. I studied English and so I nerd out on this kind of stuff. And so so the the, the suffix side is it it means to kill. So that's where we get insecticide and we get homicide and, and, and those sorts of words, right? So when you decide, you are literally cutting off, killing all of the other options. And so she said it literally comes down to, to deciding and being, being deliberate about what we have decided. That's how we make it a priority. And so maybe one small step, as opposed to immediately when you get up, you're checking your email, you're checking Instagram or whatever the case may be, just maybe download the Bible app or the U version on your phone. If you already have it, then just, just click on it. And just, it's like a two-minute little video for the verse of the day. Just just another way to just start your day. And then maybe you can grow from there. That's just a small step. Since we're so married to our phones anyway, like if you're going to touch it, just just hit the get a devotional real quick, you know. And maybe we grow from there. It's a it's a small step in terms of making Jesus a priority. The second thing is, I think we need to make time for fellowship with other believers I don't think we understand how important that is. Like the weekends or Sundays or whenever we gather can't be the only time that we're gathered together with other people who are seemingly going in the same direction as us. We need to be actively invested in the community of faith because that helps us with our focus. There's this thing called community psychology. And community psychology says that it's collaborations that really shape us the most. So who we're talking with, who we're hanging with, who we're spending time with, that's not new to us. 
That's why my parents wouldn't let me hang with certain people. Because they're like, you're going to come back crazy like them. So that's not a new thing. But we need to make time to fellowship with other believers. And if you're on a serve team here, if you're in a small group, and all, all of those things are, are great opportunities to, to do it at the assigned time and to be intentional outside of those assigned times as well. So make Jesus first and make time for fellowship with other believers. Let me see if I can land the plane for us like this. I've got four kids, um, 18, almost 19, 16, 7, and 5. Please pray for us. <laughs> It's not how you draw it up, but, and so as a result of having four kids, uh, I watch a lot of, uh, and have watched and still continue to, I'm in this game for, for a minute now, I got seven and five year old. Uh, I'm watching a lot of animated movies, right? And, and, and I love God's sense of humor. I, I think God has begun to, he's begun to start speaking to me through these animated movies, right? Cause I spend so much time watching them, right? So, so I was thinking about, uh, this movie, uh, called Despicable Me. And this character grew, right? You guys have seen this guy right here and the little minions. You know, I got a couple of these little minions around my house. And, and so Gru is so focused. Look at his face. He, he's, he's so focused on becoming the best villain that he can become. That, that's, his, that's his thing right now. And he's centered around trying to steal the moon as this great feat that he's trying to pull off. And the reason why is because he's trying to get the attention and the affirmation of his mother. She will maybe approve of him if he just kind of does this thing. Well, his life gets interrupted by these three little girls. And uh, these three little girls, uh, they want to get adopted. And so Gru comes up with this plan to adopt these three little girls because he thinks, hey, maybe this can help me uh, somehow in my plan to steal the moon. You know, I can use them as a distraction and, and it, it'll, it'll help me kind of do what, what, what I'm trying to do. And, and so he eventually, he adopts them. But here's what Gru doesn't realize. When he adopts them and he begins to spend time with them, man, the love that these girls have is just so pure. And it begins to, to sway him and influence him. And, and, and at some point, he's, over, he's so overcome with love because of the proximity and the intimacy he spent with these girls that they ultimately shift his focus away from trying to steal the moon to actually creating a loving and caring environment for these kids. He, he realized that that was more fulfilling than this other thing he was pursuing over here. And listen, I know this is an animated movie and you didn't expect to come to church and hear about Gru, you know, but, but, but it doesn't make the principles untrue. That who we spend time with, the, the proximity of, of those around us, and more importantly, our proximity and our intimacy with Jesus that is paramount for us. It is a complete game changer. And, and here, here's the principle. Whatever has your focus has you. Whatever has your focus, whatever has your attention has you. Why don't we this weekend just take inventory of where we're putting our attention? Where 
are we focused? Because if you show me where you invest your time, I will show you who or what you are a disciple of. And here's the thing. The author of Hebrews says, if we keep our eyes on Jesus, he is the one who sets the example and the one who set the standard for us. And by the way, it'll be so much more fulfilling and freeing in our lives than we can ever imagine. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity that you've given to us as another reminder of where to put our focus. There's a lot of distractions happening around us. There's a lot of political turmoil. There's a a lot of uh, just distractions over here and distractions over there and uh, different ideologies that are are, are competing against one another, friends and work and, and all of these different things. But God, help us to keep our eyes on Jesus, the example that you gave to us, to not only lead us and to guide us, but to also to give us freedom so that we don't have to be weighed down by the expectations or, or these other things that we're giving ourselves attention to that would never fulfill us the way that your love can and will. Help us, lead us and guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name, it is so. Amen.